The message you're about to listen to is a recording from God's favorite house. It is our prayer that you listen, your life will be transformed, and you will be taken to greater heights in your walk with Jesus. Amen. God bless you as you listen to this message. for today, I've titled it, It's Party Time, and you are invited. So turn to your neighbor on your right, on your left, and say, It's Party Time, and you are invited. Is your your neighbor excited already? It's Party Time, and you are invited. We'll be reading from Matthew 22, 1 to 14, Matthew 22, 1 to 14, the NLT version, and I will be reading it. Matthew 22, 1 to 14. He says, Jesus also told them other parables. He said, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a king who prepared a great wedding feast for his son. When the banquet was ready, he sent his servants to notify those who were invited. But they all refused to come. So he sent other servants to tell them, the feast has been prepared. The bulls and fattened cattle have been killed, and everything is ready. Come to the banquet. But the guests he had invited ignored them and went their own way. One to his farm, another to his business. Others seized his messengers and insulted them and even killed them. The king was furious, and he sent out his army to destroy the murderers and burn down their town. And he said to his servants, The wedding feast is ready, and the guests are invited, aren't worthy of the honor. Now go out to the street corners and invite everyone you see. So the servants brought in everyone they could find, good and bad alike. And the banquet all. Not the town hall. You get it? (laughs) And the banquet hall was filled with guests. Hallelujah. But when the king came in, I didn't plan for that. He just came out. (laughs) But when the king came in to meet the guests, he noticed a man who wasn't wearing the proper clothes for a wedding. Friend, he asked, how is it? that you are here without wedding clothes. But the man had no reply. Then the king said to his heads, bind his hands and feet and throw him into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth for many are called but few are chosen. May the Lord bless the reading and the hearing of his word in the mighty name of Jesus. Jesus tells a parable about this king, you know, and, and, and who prepared a banquet for his son's wedding. He, I mean, he, he, he had sent out invitations, and, uh, you know, uh, as, it, as it is the practice then, is that when you want to do a, have a party like that, you will send out invitations, then the people you send the invitations to will reply you and tell you, oh, I will be coming, so that you can make proper plans for them. So he had sent out invitations, and they had replied and confirmed that they will be coming. Then the day of the, of the banquet, they didn't turn up. In spite of the fact that they had done RSVP. RSVP does not mean rice soup very plenty. RSVP is a French 
word for you are invited. Please confirm that you will be coming. So he had invited them and they, they just didn't turn, turn up. And I was wondering, why would that happen? So since he didn't, they didn't turn up, he decided to open the invitation and said, okay, if the people are invited, won't be coming. Let's bring on board just anybody. Go to the streets. Go and bring everybody. The good, the bad, the ugly. Bring them in and let's fill up this place and let's have fun because it's party time. And the servants went out, just spread the invitation, and before you knew it, the whole place was packed full. So as it is the practice again, the hosts will go around meeting all the guests and greeting them, thanking them for coming. While he was doing that, he met one person who was not properly dressed. And he addressed him and said, friend, why are you here and you're not in proper clothes? And the guy had no answer. And of course, the king, going with the story, the king said, bind his hands, bind his legs, take him out, and go and throw him into a place where there will be weeping and gnashing. And that's how the story ended. Because many are called, but few are chosen. This story for me highlights some points. And I have a few questions. I'd like to just throw out the question there, and hopefully by the time we are done, the Holy Spirit will speak to you, and you will find answers to those questions also. I'm asking myself, where would a king throw a banquet? Why would a king call for a party, throw a party, and the people he invited would not turn up? The Bible says that, I mean, the, the parable, the scripture says that some of them didn't turn up, and they went to their farm, they went to their businesses. How busy can they be? The king is throwing up a party and say, come, and he's saying, I'm going to work. Could this be because of sea finish? You know what we call sea finish? Husband and wife, we understand that. Men especially, we understand that. They say, this woman don't see me finish. <laughs> he doesn't respect me again. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Is it because of sea finish? Maybe the king is a very good king, so he relates with everybody, mixes with everybody, so they are like, ah, I beg you, I don't have his time today. We are all, at one point in time in our lives, we experience people that you would say, I've seen you finish. So that even if God wants to use you for something in their life, they can't receive it. Husbands and wife can relate to this. The husbands will say, okay, I have a brilliant idea. I believe this is what God is saying, telling us to do. He may not even put God. He may just say, I believe this is the next thing that we have to do. And he's telling his wife. And the wife is like, you know, we're going yimu yimu. See, finish. Or maybe it's, in, it's the reverse. Your wife too may say, okay, there's something I, I, I believe is the next thing that we should be doing in, in the face of our lives as a, as, a, as a family. And this is what I think we should be doing. And the husband will be like, what makes you think that is correct? If God wants, if that's what God wants to do, it's me God will talk to, not to you. You that you don't know how to pray. See, finish. See, finish. Or could it be, maybe it's a family setting. Maybe you are the last born in your family. 
And God wants to do something and he's laying it on your heart for your family. And you speak up and everybody says, my friend, shut up your mouth. Do you even have, do you know, don't you know your position in this family? Keep quiet, my friend. They forget that when God wants to use anybody, your position in the family doesn't matter. Let them go and ask David. David was the last born in his family. Not only was he the last born, he was probably just the last born from even a side chick. Because there's no mention of his mom. Not only a side chick, he was probably even a rejected boy. Because he was not in the house and he was not even considered as one of the children when the prophets came to anoint him. But he is the one that God has chosen. So see, finish or not, what God will do, God will do. Let them ask Joseph. Joseph was second to the last born. Same thing. When God decided that he's going to use him to save practically the whole world, those people that were feeling that they were first born, second born, third born, all of them, when he told them you are going to bow, they said, how? When it was time to bow, they were begging him and said, please, let me bow more. Is it, is it enough? Should I, I can still stay on the ground. That's what happens when God wants to use whoever he wants to use. Even concerning Jesus, when he started preaching, what did they say? They said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? That Nazareth, like I said in the, in the first service, I mean, this is no disrespect to anybody, you know, but just imagine that God says now that he's going to raise the next president for, uh, the next president for Nigeria will come out of this Ajah Axis. Then someone comes out of Ikota, inside, inside Ikota, and says, I am the one that God is going to use. People will say, you. What happened to the VGC people? What happened to the Chevron Drive people? Eh? That's how people think. See, finish. But when God wants to use anybody, no matter how much people think you are irrelevant, it is not important to God. God can use you. And he will use you in the mighty name of Jesus. Again, question number two that I have is that the king was inviting, inviting these people to a celebration. The king is saying, it's party time. Come and rejoice. My son is getting married. Let's come and chop. Me, I like food, though. I don't understand how they will invite you to a king's party and you will not turn up. Koyemi. That's me. You know, not everybody likes food like I do. So, it, 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 that was for me a question plan. Also, and I'm, I'm saying that this was even a planned out event that you had RSVP'd. Why then would they not turn up? They even sent reminders to them, and they still did not turn up. They all refused still. Question three. The king is supposed to be a good king. All right? So if he is a good king, why wouldn't the people want to celebrate with him? Why? I don't get it. But some things I know that I also learned from, that I can see from this scripture is the fact that just like every one of us, the king also did not like rejection. 
he did not like the fact that he was rejected. Is there anybody here that you would want to throw a party, want to have a party? You invite people. On the day of the, the party, nobody turns up. You have cooked. You have done everything. And you are like, ah, praise God, though, all this food that they did not come and eat. Let me go and pack it in the freezer. At least I will be able to save my money. If you like that, let me see your hand up. Nobody. All of us would, if you have made food for the party and you invited people, you want people to come. Nobody likes rejection. So the king also did not like rejection. So the king decided to invite other people. So while these questions are there, a few things, a few lessons that I picked from this parable that I believe that as we run through these lessons, we will find answers to these questions somewhere, somewhere there. Hallelujah. So lesson number one from this parable is that God's will will always prevail. This king in this instance was planning to have a party, to have a wedding for his son. He invited people. They didn't turn up. The reality is that whether they turned up or they did not turn up, the wedding will continue. Nobody has the capacity or the ability to stop God's plan. Nobody, no group of people has the ability or the capacity to stop God's plan. I'm saying this confidently because even concerning Nigeria, God has said Nigeria will win. Nobody, no group of people have the capacity to stop the plan of God concerning Nigeria. Because Nigeria is guaranteed to win. If God had not spoken, I would have probably said, okay, maybe we're still waiting on him. But now he's spoken. It will be so in the mighty name of Jesus. Go and ask Pharaoh. When the children of Israel, when it was time for them to be free from Egypt, Moses went to Pharaoh. God said, let my people go. Moses looked at him, laughed. Who is your God? Who is he? Moses didn't argue with him. Moses simply showed him who his God is. By the time God was done with Pharaoh, the scripture says that the same Pharaoh called for Moses and said, oh yeah, come, come and be going. <laughs> Let me use Nigerian language. Come and be going. <laughs> Nobody has the capacity to stop what God is set to do. Balak asked him. He looked at the children of Israel when they were coming, walking in, passing through the wilderness. He looked at them from afar. He had heard about what God had done with them, what God had done for them, what God had done through them. And he said, ah, these people are many. They even have a God. If they come to, to my people, they will wipe us out. So he summoned Balaam. Balaam was a prophet of God. He summoned Balaam. I said, Balaam, come. Come and help me curse these people. He called Balaam. Balaam, come. Balaam, he, he, he sent uh, servants, uh, his messengers to Balaam. And they told him the mission. Balaam said, I cannot do what God has not told me to do. But let me hear from God. Wait till tomorrow morning. And overnight, he prayed and God spoke to him. These people of Israel, 
they cannot be cursed because they are blessed. That story is in number 20, Numbers 22. He said they cannot be cursed because they are already blessed. So he woke up in the morning and told them, I can't follow you because God says these people are already blessed. They went to report to Balak. Balak said, no, 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 no. Maybe you don't understand. He sent a bigger delegation. He sent the big boys now. He said, go and tell him. I can change his life. I have the war chest. I have the money. I can turn his life. I can t- Balaam, I can turn your life around. Ask anything you want. I will give you all I need is curse these people. Balaam said, I still can't do what God has not told me to do. But the lure of the money, the, 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 the lure of the, the, uh, the things that was offered to him, he said, okay, but wait, let me go and ask God again. Maybe I didn't hear well. And that's the dangerous place to be. But he went again, and God told him, I've told you, don't go. Don't curse them, because they cannot be cursed. They are blessed. But since you are asking again, don't you follow them? And he, he took that as permission to follow them. It didn't get sense. And you know, that's where God is just a very good God. He's a very kind patient, merciful God. He followed them. He was riding on his donkey. And an angel of God appeared with a sword. He didn't see the angel. The donkey saw the angel. The angel wanted to strike him and kill him. The donkey dodged the first time. He was upset that the donkey was going where he didn't sense it. He beat the donkey. Tried to put the donkey in the right direction. The angel blocked his way again. The donkey saw the angel. He dodged the second time. He beat the donkey again. The donkey was like, ah, he can't talk at that time. The donkey dodged the angel the third time. And that was when, for you to know how merciful God can be. That was when God now opened the mouth of the donkey. Because God was interested in a matter. God can make the things that are impossible to be possible. God opened the mouth of the donkey and the donkey began to speak and said, my ogre, my master, have you not been riding me all these days? Have I ever disobeyed you? Have I ever done what is happening right now? Look, see the angel that I'm trying to dodge. This angel will kill you and will free me. I'm dodging you because I don't want you to die. That was when he came to his senses. What was the issue here? He was going to cause what God says do not cause. I pray and I decree over every one of you here today. The blessings that has been released upon your life, everything and everyone, raising a standard, trying to curse you, God himself will curse them. In the mighty name of Jesus, I say God will send an angel to strike them down. In the mighty name of Jesus. And by extension, the blessings released over this nation, Nigeria. Everything, anyone, every force, every group. Rising against Nigeria. God will send an angel of destruction upon them. In the mighty name of Jesus. His word concerning us, Jeremiah 29, 11. He says, my thoughts concerning you 
are thoughts of good and not of evil. That will take you to an expected end. God will take you to an expected end. In the mighty name of Jesus, his will concerning you will prevail. His plan concerning you will prevail. In the mighty name of Jesus. Second thing, the second lesson is the fact that God's presence is about joy. It's party time. It's time for party. God's presence is about joy. The king summoned the, his guest for a party. And this is a semblance of what goes on in heaven. Heaven is a place of rejoicing. It has been sold to us that it is a place of humility, meekness, quietness, and on and on. But that's a wrong story. Heaven is a place of joy. Hallelujah. I shared a, a, a joke. Um, I mean, it's a popular joke, but I was surprised that a lot of people in the first service had never heard it before. So I'll tell it again and see if it is original. Then when it gets to the point to, to laugh, you should laugh. Oh. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. So there's this story of uh, a man that died and went to heaven's gates. And at the heaven's gates, they looked at him and they gave him special conditions. It's a joke. You know, at heaven's gates, once you reach heaven's gates, you are, your case is settled. But this is a joke. So they, at the heaven's gates, they gave him two options. Okay, you have to make a choice where you want to go to. Whether you want to go to heaven or you want to go to hell. But this is what we're going to do. We're going to allow you to spend one day in hell. Then when you are done one day, you come out, you spend another one day in heaven. Then when, after the two days, you will come and meet us here and make a choice of where you want to spend eternity. So the man said, okay, let me try hell first. Then he went into hell and he was surprised what he saw there. He saw a beautiful looking place, beautiful lights, music was on top, you know, everybody was happy, dancing, rejoicing, you know, they were just, they were just having a fantastic time. And he was surprised, ah, this is not what I've been hearing about hell now. And, you know, he, he had a fun day, he had, a, an, he had an excellent day. So by the time it was done, he, he even almost wanted to say, ah, please, I'm not going to test. But okay, they say heaven is sweeter. Let me test. So the next day was now the time for him to go to heaven, to test heaven. And as he entered heaven, he saw all the angels walking around, just going gently. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is, and is to come. The heavens declare your glory. Holy. And, and they kept, just no noise. Everybody was just gently, just praising God, morning to night. By the time he had done that for one hour, two hours, it was like, change this scripture now, Abby. Is this the only scripture you know? It was boring. It was drab. So by the time he'd finished the second day, he came out and said, okay, now I have to make a choice. So they asked him, where do you want to go? He said, I want to go to hell. They said, really? He says, yes, I want to go to hell. Hell is a fun place. They said, okay, no problem. And they opened the gates of hell 
and he saw darkness. He saw fire and brimstone. He saw heat. He was like, no, 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 no. This is not where you showed me yesterday. He said, ah, yesterday was our marketing department. <laughs> Hallelujah. He said, yesterday was our marketing department. What you are seeing now is the real action. So enjoy the eternity. That will not be your own portion in the mighty name of Jesus. But that is the story at times that they sell to us. That heaven is a dry place. Heaven is a boring place. But it is not so. The king is saying here, come for a banquet. It's party time. Turn to your neighbor who said it once again. It's party time. And you are invited. Today is Thanksgiving. It's party time. It's not Thanksgiving because it's just the first Sunday of the month. It's Thanksgiving because it is a time to give God thanks. Not everybody that started this year with us is here today. Not everybody that started this year in good frame of mind, in good health, is in the same position today. There are some people that couldn't make it to church today because they didn't have cash. But you are here. Is it not worth Thanksgiving? So it's party time. It's always party time. Because if you think well, there's always a reason to give God thanks. There's always a reason to celebrate and thank God. And that is what God and heaven requires of us. Heaven respects us that as citizens of the earth, we should consistently be creating heaven on earth environments for people to see and emulate, for people to see and want to be like. So the question I'm asking you, your life today, would you say it is heaven on earth for people that are living with you or people that are looking at you? Hallelujah. Think about it. God expects us to create heaven on earth experience wherever we go. Hallelujah. Number three lesson. God always provides for our needs in his own way. God always provides for our needs in his own way. The, 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 the reason, you, you know, think about it. When we go out today and we evangelize, we tell people to come to church, we invite people to come to church, we tell them, in God's red house, come as you are. We don't care. We're not a church that will say, uh, when you are coming, make sure you cover your hair. No, come as you are. We're not a church that will say, when you are coming, make sure you dress decently. No, come as you are. If you come naked, for example, if the word of God, because, you know, our prayer warriors in God's house, they are hot. They have the anointing that if your, short, your skirt is very short like this, when they begin to pray, the, prayer, the skirt will just begin to grow, 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 grow. Hallelujah. <laughs> it's a joke. It's a joke. But you see, come as you are. When the word of God begins to work on you, nobody needs to tell you before you need to cover yourself. Nobody. We don't judge people. That's how we are. We don't. Come as you are. Come as you are. Even if the word of God doesn't change you on time, the AC will change you. <laughs> ah, yeah, so come as you are. Come as you are. <laughs> Hallelujah. Again, that's a joke. <laughs> Praise the Lord. But come as you are. 
So this guy here, I asked myself, he didn't leave his house planning to attend a banquet. Now, they suddenly invited him and he showed up as he was. So why then is the king querying him? But the practice in those days is that when there is a king, part of the king's protocol requirements is that anybody that wants to approach the king or be in the presence of the king must dress up to a particular manner. And in the instance that maybe the person is not properly dressed, the protocol people of the king, they would make provision for the dressing. So for the king to have said, go to the streets, invite everybody, what it means is that there was provision for his clothes change. Because think about it, the hall was full. The hall, the entire hall was filled with people that did not plan to attend the wedding. How come he's the only one that was identified and asked, why are you dressed like this? It's probably, it's definitely the reason, the, the, the definitely reason is because he was the only one that did not go and change his clothes. Even though it was made available. God always makes provision. He always makes provision. But the onus is on us to go and get that provision. Like Pastor taught us a few weeks ago when he was talking about stretching, when he was talking about how, how, how God answers prayers. He was saying that, look, when God... <coughs> bless you. He was saying that when the children of Israel, when they were in the wilderness and they were asking God for food and God sent them manna, God could have, God could have chosen to... Thank you. God could have chosen to... Look at them and say, okay, for the 40 years that you are going to be in the wilderness, you will not go hungry. God could have done that. Why am I so sure? The scripture says that the clothes they were wearing, the shoes they were wearing, for 40 years they did not wear out. So what is it for God to just say, oh yeah, you people, for 40 years, no more food, you won't go hungry. He could have done it. God could have every morning as they are waking up on their dining table, Food will be served by angels. God could have done that. But God didn't do that. What did God do instead? God ensured every morning that when they wake up, there will be manna everywhere. But what did they need to do? They need to go out and pick the manna. When they pick the manna, the, the one that wants to cook it will cook it. The one that wants to fry it will fry it. The one that wants to bake it will have to bake it before they can eat it. So when God answers a prayer, when God responds to a need, what he usually will do is to put it within our reach, as pastor taught us, the onus is on us to stretch and get it. Don't expect God to just drop it in, the, in your mouth. So this instance, this guy needed to go to where they were having the change of clothes and change so that it becomes uh, presentable in the presence of the king. He didn't do that. Lesson number four. He didn't do that. And of course, we all know where his story ended. Lesson number four. I'm speeding now because of time. Lesson number four, God always has a replacement strategy. God always has a replacement strategy. So even though the king had a guest list, which he had sent out, probably his 
first set of friends, or maybe kings and princes and, uh, you know, regents and all the likes, people on his own level, that he invited. When they chose not to come, there's always a replacement. God is never surprised. There's always a backup. God always works and has a plan B. No one can hold God. No one can hold God to ransom. <coughs> no one can hold God to ransom. Exodus 32, 9 to 10. Bring it up. Exodus 32, 9 to 10. The children of Israel, God will give them instruction in the wilderness. And they were being stiff-necked. Exodus 32, 9, 10. Then the Lord said, I have seen how stubborn and rebellious these people are. He was telling Moses, now leave me alone so my fierce anger can, bla can blaze against them and I will destroy them all. Then I will make you, Moses, into a great nation. God could have done that if not for Moses that stepped in as an advocate and began to plead for them. God could have done that. No one can sabotage God's plan. If God says it's party time, it is party time. If God says it's celebration time, it's celebration time. If God says it is your time, it is your time. Nobody can hold God to ransom because God always has a, replace, a replacement strategy. The fifth lesson, there are six of them. The fifth lesson, God calls us into his presence. But we have to keep ourselves in God's presence. God calls us into his presence, but we have to be the one to keep ourselves in, the pres in God's presence. And that has a lot to do about what we do in his presence. What we do in his presence. The, 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 the guy, they, they asked him, friend, why are you not dressed properly? And the Bible says that he had no reply. He wasn't properly dressed. All he needed to do to stay in the presence of God was to dress properly. The clothes was provided for him. The party venue was provided for him. The food was provided for him. All he needed to do was to wear the clothes. That was all he needed to do. So there are things that we have to do. There are things that God has to do. Like I always will say, like I usually would say, God created apple. But God did not create apple juice. Did you hear that? Did you hear that? God created the orange. But God did not create the orange juice. Someone used his brain. So there are things that we need to do ourselves. Even though it is God that breathes upon it. But there are actions that we need to take. We have been praying as a people. Whether we are Christians, whether we are Muslims, for this nation. We have been praying and praying, God deliver this nation. God help this nation. It's even become like a normal jargon. God will help us. God will help us. It's a prayer. But yes, it is now a normal uh, statements. But it's a prayer. And each time we pray it, God is hearing. The heavens are hearing. But guess what you need to do? You need to go and vote. You need to go 
and vote. If you have not collected your PVC, you have three hours and three minutes remaining to go and collect it today. They are still open today. Three hours and three minutes because they close at three o'clock today. You have to vote. You have to make the choice of who will influence your future. Oh, yes, we are all Christians. It is God that directs our affairs. Listen to me. Listen to me clearly. Outside God, after God, the next person that can control your life, whether you like it or not, are the politicians. God can keep you alive. God can give you abundance money. God can bless you. God can do all sorts. But it is not God's policy, God's policy right now that is making fuel to be scarce. It's the politicians. It's not God's policy right now that is making cash to be scarce. It is the politicians. So it is in your interest and in your power to determine who gets there that will make the right decisions that will affect you and your future. Can I hear amen? It's your call. It's your call. Because if you don't, then you will understand the side of God, where, God, where, where the Bible calls the God, uh, the lion and the lamb. The God is described in the Bible as the lion and the lamb. The lion because it can be violent. It can be ruthless. Just like what he did for this guy by sending him out. And it can be the lamb. Kind, gentle, patient. It's your call to stay in God's presence. It's your call to keep yourself in God's presence. Final lesson. God has called all of us for a purpose which we must all discover before we die. God has called all of us for a purpose which we must all discover before we die. When this man was confronted, he said, friend, why are you not, why, why are you dressed not dressed in wedding clothes. The Bible says he had no reply. That was what frustrated the king. He had no reply because he didn't even know why he was there. He didn't even know the purpose of him being there. And a lot of us are living lives without even understanding the purpose for our lives. Why are you where you are? Why are you born into this world? Why are you saved? In the NCR classes, if you haven't attended NCR, I, I would encourage you to do. Because one of the classes there, one of the topics that they take there, save, it says, saved for a purpose. Why are you born again, if you are born again? Why have you saved? Why has God saved you? Why has God called you? If you don't know the purpose, it will be very effortless for you to backslide. Because you wouldn't know what you are going, what, what you are pursuing, and that was the case of this guy. He had no clue why he was there. Knowing your purpose does not mean that you must be a pastor. Your purpose doesn't mean that everybody must be a pastor. No, your purpose is just why did God create you? Thomas Einstein, that created the electric bulb, was a Christian. But that was the purpose why it was created. Now today, see how many different types of bulbs they were enjoying almost 100 years after. Praise the Lord. 
What's your purpose? Not discovering your purpose can lead to salvation loss. Backsliding. And of course, ultimately, not discovering your purpose can lead to death. <clears throat> so since we know now that it is party time, and God is inviting all of us to a party, so what then should we be doing when God calls us to this party? Number one is to embrace it. Embrace the party. Embrace the, it and welcome it. When God says it's time for party, you know that it's time for party. So when it is time for Thanksgiving, as like today, know that it is time for Thanksgiving and find it in you to really thank God. Find it in you to really thank God. There are people today, they just got married, they are coming, they are going to be having a wedding Thanksgiving. Join them and dance. Not everybody is married yet. Everybody that wants to get married will get married in the mighty name of Jesus. But rejoice with those that are rejoicing. There are people here today that will be coming with babies for baby dedication. Join them when it is time. Rejoice, dance, because your own time is coming. In the mighty name of Jesus. What should I be doing when God says it's party time? Two, I should contribute to the party as best as I can. Contribute to the party as best as you can. Contribute. Be part of it. Don't stay on the outside. Number three, invite others to the celebration. Like we always say in Gossip House, always be inviting. Always be inviting. Invite people to the celebration. Every service we have in church is a celebration. Invite people. Every time that you have a reason to, 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 you have a reason to rejoice, tell people about it. Let people know what God is doing with you. Let people know what God is doing for you. Invite others to your celebration. And finally, enjoy the party because it is indeed a party. Enjoy it. You have no apologies to anybody. When it is party time, enjoy the party. No forming. No, uh, what's the word now? No posing. Enjoy. Let loose. Let go. Enjoy the party because it gives God joy. It gives God joy when you rejoice, when you celebrate. In a few minutes from now, the choir will be coming to give leaders in thanksgiving offering. When they come, release yourself. Dance the way you want to dance. Flex the way you want. If you want to buga, it's all right. It's all right. Enjoy the party. This guy that was thrown out of the party, there's something he missed. There's something missing for him. When God said to Moses, step aside, I've seen these children of Israel. They are a stiff-necked and stubborn people. They don't listen. They don't take instructions. Step aside. Let me wipe them away from the earth and I will raise a new nation from you. Moses stepped in as an advocate and said, no, 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 my Lord, my God. What will the nations say? They will say you didn't have the ability to lead them into the so-called promised land. Now you have killed all of them in the wilderness. Please have mercy upon them. Look down 
on me and show them mercy. And God listened. God listened to Moses as an advocate. This guy, unfortunately for him, when he was asked the question, why are you not properly dressed? He didn't have an answer. He didn't say anything. And in addition, he did not have an advocate, someone to speak to him, speak for him. All of us sitting down here, we have the privilege, if we are born again, of Jesus being our advocate in heaven. We have that special privilege. So every time we go out, because we all misbehave, we all do things that we're not supposed to do. You are in traffic, you are in a hurry. Before you know it, you, do, you find yourself taking one way. Hey, don't do it. Don't do it. But heaven is seeing you. Heaven is saying, I'm upset. Don't do it. But Jesus is saying to heaven. Jesus is saying to the Father, be merciful upon him. Be merciful. Have mercy. Emma, don't look at that. Don't look at that God. This guy is a good, he's a good kid. He's just the frustration. That's what an advocate does. That's what an advocate does. You are in a tight business situation. You have to squeeze out some lies to get yourself through. Everyone is seeing those lies as what it is. Everyone is about to record it against you. And Jesus is saying, my Lord, have mercy. Have mercy. Have mercy upon him. It's not his, his character. Uh, we will send him to GFH. He will hear the word of God. He will change. He will repent. That is what an advocate is doing. And that is the advocate we have in Jesus.